0: Please stand for the reading of God's word, coming from Mark 8 21 through 26. He said to them, Do you still not understand? They came to Bethsaida, and some people brought a blind man and begged Jesus to touch him. He took the blind man by the hand and led him outside the village. When he had spit on the man's eyes and put his hands on him, Jesus asked, Do you see anything? He looked up and said, I see people. They look like trees walking around. Once more, Jesus put his hands on the man's eyes. Then his eyes were opened. His sight was restored, and he saw everything clearly. Jesus sent him home, saying, do, don't do even go into the village. He may be seated. West Bowles, good morning. Thanks for being here this morning, and thank you. Join me in thanking our worship team and Ginger and Michael Lynn for bringing us service. (sighs) It was one of those weeks. Yeah, those weeks, yeah, we got amens out there. We can close in prayer right now. All right, so you've had those weeks, right? I mean, if we can go all the way back to Monday, there was that Bronco game. I know, a bunch of you were like, yeah, I'm out. Look at everybody flocking for the doors right now. Okay, so my own daughter, actually. Um, the, you, you had you had the, the Bronco game, and then um, I just noticed as we went through the week, it was like, really? Like, none of this stuff was on the agenda, Lord, but now it is. You know, we, we had um, just some things that came up this week that it, they had to become a priority, and so... Had to deal with that. Um, in the middle of the night, the other night, we, you know, we've got a puppy. And, uh, well, we have a puppy. That's all you got to say, right? I mean, it just, we had a couple of those nights. One night, we, we've got this fire alarm. It, it just went off. The smoke alarm just went off. So I woke up enough to get out a, a stepladder, get up there, look at it, and it just went back to the green, normally functioning status. Didn't go off the rest of the night, and I just went what is going on here? We got to yesterday, my son's baseball game. I got to be third base coach again. Uh, This kid on third base is looking at me for the signal. And I just was like, hey, I want to meet him where he's at. And he's like 10 feet off third base. The catcher's throwing it back to the pitcher and the pitcher's just watching him. And I'm talking to the kid and they throw the ball over to third. And this poor kid like, He's on the verge of being out. And I just thought, yep, that's, that's this week. That's how it's gone. Then three minutes ago, I just realized I forgot to put a belt on this morning. And I went, that sums it up. So if I run off stage, just dismiss yourselves and we'll see you next week. All right? <laughs> what do you do when life interrupts? What do we do when life interrupts us. Because as I look back at this last week, I realized that a good chunk of my strength and my energy and my life and my time went to a bunch of stuff that was not on the agenda a week ago, and yet it needed to be on the agenda. And so as I looked at it, I thought, you know what, there's this thing that just came up within me throughout the week. Whenever something that interrupts, what, what is our tendency? It's to get rid of the interruption, right? We want to get rid of the interruption. The reason I bring all this up is because it's possible that some interruptions we need to embrace and we need to accept. In fact, this morning, we're going to be in a passage that's kind of like a fire alarm. It's a fire alarm for the disciples, and I believe it's a fire alarm for us. And it's not a panic-inducing fire alarm. In fact, I want you to think about the nature of a fire alarm for a minute, because, of course, I've been thinking about this since Thursday when it happened in our house the, the thing about a fire alarm, I, if I go all the way back to high school, I will never forget one day of high school. I remember we were sitting in Spanish class, it was the second period of the day, and I remember the fire alarm went off. And back then, I, I've noticed in, in our kids, at least in our elementary school, we get like a heads up that a fire alarm is going to happen the next day. Parents, have you experienced this? You get the heads up email or something? Okay, maybe it's just me. Anyway, maybe I have an inside track. But yeah, I I thought that's funny. Why would we get a warning of an interruption that's meant to actually get them ready for the real thing? So I go back to, I'm flashing back to this day in high school, and a fire alarm goes off. And so we all went outside. We were about 10 minutes out there. Come back inside. About five minutes later, the fire alarm goes off again. And so um, I get up, and we go outside, and there's, like, this rumor starting to get around outside. You know, so-and-so, they pulled the fire alarm twice. And, and, you know, you got security is, like, looking for them. And I was like, why do they want to get them? Like, whoever this man is is a hero, okay? And so uh, we get back to class. It goes off again. And I think we had, like, a total of four interruptions from the fire alarm. And it actually took those four interruptions for me to suddenly go, oh my goodness. Like th- there came a point, I know this is going to be unfathomable, where I started to get irritated that I was being interrupted from the thing I was, the, the class that I was in. Like you, you get back into, have you ever tried to work on something and you just keep getting interrupted? And as I thought about this, I thought, you know, so quickly we do away with the, fire, with the fire alarms of life. But the nature of a fire alarm is intended to help us, isn't it? And so let me bring you to the passage that Michael Lynn just read. Because in a way, it serves as a fire alarm. In fact, if you think about the progression of the gospel of Mark. Remember, Jesus shows up and he just shows he is going to step into any and every situation. I mean, it, it's just a, this reminder that God can step into any situation. And we've talked about it. As you get partway through Mark, you realize that Jesus isn't just going to do this alone. Jesus wants to bring some disciples in on it. And so they experience healings and they see some miracles and they've heard him teach. And, and we get to last week. Jesus feeds 4,000 people. It's almost like a duplicate miracle from when he fed, when he fed 5,000 people. And at the end of it, we get to this part of the conversation that we're going to put up here on the screen. It ends after they've seen all this and Jesus has talked with them a little bit. He looks at the disciples who had been focused on the fact that they only had one loaf of bread. He says, do you you still not understand? Do you still not understand? And suddenly you realize that it's the disciples that even though they've been following him, even though they've heard him teach, even though they've seen miracles, even though they've been walking with him, Mark is revealing to us that the disciples were spiritually blind. They just don't see as Jesus intends them to see. One idea for you this morning, and, and you can write this at the top of your sermon notes. There's a space there for it. One idea for you this morning that I want to unpack. When God gets to interrupt... When God gets to interrupt, we get to understand. If we will allow God to interrupt, you know what he does? He allows us to understand. And I want to unpack that as we look at it. It's just five verses. I know last week it felt like a million. Today we're in five verses this account of this healing of this blind man at Bethsaida. Because as you walk through this, you realize Jesus, as he, as he goes about this miracle, it's an interruption. It's an interruption to a lot of the things that honestly, not just the disciples thought, that people in that day thought, but that people today, we ourselves, tend to think about the way God works and the way God operates. And so read with me. This is chapter 8, verses 22 and 23. They came to Bethsaida, and some people brought a blind man and begged Jesus to touch him. He took the blind man by the hand and led him outside the village. Now, do you notice what happened there? See, we tend to think that God must be wherever the crowd is. Remember, we've had a crowd building throughout Mark. And yet Jesus takes him away from where the crowd is at. He takes him away. That first interruption, I'd love for us to just think about and consider, is interrupted setting an interrupted setting. In other words, this guy apparently was with people who spent a lot of time in Bethsaida. Now, here's the thing you've got to know about the town of Bethsaida. Bethsaida had had judgment pronounced upon it by God. I mean, it was considered a place of unbelief. I mean, the people just filled with disbelief. And so Bethsaida had judgment upon it. And so when you begin to think about this, you begin to see what's going on here, you see that Jesus is actually grabbing the man by the hand, and he said, I, I've got to remove you from this setting that you've been so used to. In other words, I'm going to lead you outside of what you've been surrounded by. And that's still true today, isn't it? I mean, is it possible, if you think back to the first time Jesus got your attention, oftentimes when you pay attention to somebody's testimony, they had to be removed from the place where they were surrounded by human voices, human priorities, even human leadership. Because we get these human constructs that we put in place and we begin to live by, and sometimes that can send us the opposite direction of belief in Jesus. Isn't it true? You think about, you think about the voices that, you're, you're just, that are in your ear all day long? Right, Whether it's the TV we watch, the social media we're part of, the narratives that we even, uh, whether it's other people next to us or the, the narratives going on inside of us. And Jesus says, no, I need, to, I need to take people by the hand. And the disciples are getting a real life, really they're having the mirror held up. Hey guys, y- you've got to come away from that human opinion, the human voices, the human priorities, the human perspectives so that Jesus can give What? It's a spiritual insight. See, we, we don't think that way, do we, as human beings? We tend to think, no, I, I, just give me some insights about myself. Give me some insights about uh, some self-help. Give me some insights about how to get ahead in this world. And Jesus goes, no, 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 I want to show you how I operate. And so he leads him by the hand out of the town. Because why? He wants him. He wants the disciples. He wants you and I to get into a God-centric setting where we're constantly looking around. We're going, well, how does God see it? And what does God think? And what does God have to say about it? As the passage continues, we see another interruption here. When he had spit on the man's eyes and put his hands on him, Jesus asked, do you see anything? Now, aren't you glad that this wasn't like the prescribed method for ministry today? I mean, can you imagine? I mean, he gave us a pretty clear picture of communion, right? I mean, that's one of those things that we do that. He gave us a clear picture on baptism, pretty clear picture, right? We do that. I'm so glad he, he didn't say from this day forward, disciples, go and make disciples. And you start by spitting in somebody's face, okay? Just, just not going not gonna to fly, is it? The second thing that we see interrupted here, I want you to jump back up for a second at verse 22. Some people brought a blind man and begged Jesus to touch him. Well, sure, Jesus grabbed him by the hand, but Jesus didn't stop with that. No, Jesus spit on him. And yes, the ancient world thought saliva maybe had healing qualities to it. But you notice he didn't, he didn't act according to what human beings thought he should do, did he? See, we have interrupted methods here as well if you want to write something next to that I'd write this and this is a lesson that uh, I've had a hard time coming to and one that I believe we have to embrace our methods our methods of ministry our methods of reaching the world our methods of following Jesus and reaching the world for him they're written in pencil they are always written in pencil but you know what we do we marry our methods, don't we? We absolutely marry our methods. And when I think about the different methods that we have, right? I mean, there are those, those ones that are so clear in Scripture. The Word of God, that, that one's in ink, isn't it? Worship in ink. We talked about some vehicles in which we experience and encounter God last week here at this church. You know what they are? They're in pencil. There are ways we've seen God work in scripture and ways we've seen him work here, but we've constantly got to be reminded that in the church, every single one of us is a follower. Sure, there are leaders that God has appointed, but even leaders, even leaders have to understand you are a leader, you are not the leader. Every single one of us is a follower, which means if we're led to different methods and we can embrace those. And we can trust him in that. Especially in the church. You want to know one of the, one of the methods? It's ministries, isn't it? I, mean, I want to address something that has come up in the last couple years. And it's probably every week or two. But there's a question about the choir. Okay? Now, I don't say this lightly. Because when I used to sit and watch the choir, I saw a group of people I dearly, dearly loved and still do to this day. But the thing we've always got to be considering, and, and I'm just going to give you an update for those of you wondering, is the choir going to come back? It is being prayerfully considered, and it has not been forgotten, okay? And some of you are like, well, Nathan, how long do you need, <laughs> right? But let me walk you through something here in this passage, okay? I want you to notice the way in which God heals this blind man, right? Right? He spit in his eyes. He takes him by the hand, and he spits in his eyes. Now, there are a couple other instances where Jesus heals a blind man. Okay? There's one where he just touched him. There's another where he, he like, rubbed, he spit in his hands. He made mud, and he put it on this guy's eyes. There's a man named Vance Havner. He used to say this, that Jesus, if you were to look at how he carried out his miracles, especially with these blind men, one of them would say, well, the way God works— is he spits in your eyes, and then you're healed. And then what happens is we walk away and we go, why isn't God spitting in my eyes, right? Because we get married to the method. See, if if Jesus had carried out every single miracle the exact same way, do you know what we in in our humanity would do? We would say it's the method. And we would completely overlook the one who carries it out but the point is to see the one who carries it out. The second blind man would say, well, no, that's not how God heals. God actually makes mud and then he rubs it on you and that's how you're healed. And another would say, no, he just has to touch you. And so you'd have the once touched blind man, you'd have the spit in your face blind man, you'd have the mud in your eyes blind man. And soon we'd have three different denominations, wouldn't we? Because this is what we do right? We'd all be fighting with each other over how God best ministers. Let me come back to this for a moment. We trust and we believe, specifically when it comes to the music here, that God, in his timing, in his providence, has brought to this church Graham Stuckey. I trust God's spirit in him, to prayerfully consider and make those decisions. And we are doing that at the leadership level. So updates to come. It might be in 20 years. It might be next week, okay? But we are completely, completely asking God to let us surrender to how to proceed with that. And here's why. Because if you walk through Scripture, you know what you see? There's a generational aspect. There is a baton being passed from generation to generation to generation. And that baton is a pointing at our triune God, his glory, his grace, his son, his word, and our faith in him. That is the priority. That is the passing of the baton. And so we have to ask ourselves, and what's true of what I just said about the choir is true about every single ministry in this place. Does it do as Jesus did with this blind man? Does it take the people by the hand? Does it take the generations coming up by the hand and lead them to be pointed at Jesus? And so we prayerfully consider. And that might be staying the same, and that might be changing some things. See, a lot of times I think what we do is we we look around at culture, and sometimes we either give change so much or we're so change-averse, right? But how, how did we watch movies back in the 80s? VHS. Can you imagine now? No, now we can watch the exact same movies but on Netflix or Hulu, right? I mean, I'm even thinking about right now. I was raised that you don't wear brown shoes with gray. You just don't do it. Well, maybe you did it, but I I was judging you if I saw that. Anyway, no, but now I I remember my wife saying, you can wear brown shoes with gray, and I was like, what? Oh my gosh, you can do that? You, You go to a coffee shop. I mean, goodness gracious, there's oat milk, there's uh, flax milk, there's almond milk, there's soy milk, right? It used to just be milk. There's Oreo milk, right? That's the best one right there. In fact, I'm staying with that one. But the truth is we can trust him to guide us into what's next. But sometimes he might interrupt our methods. Moving on, we see a third interruption here. Verse 24, he looked up and said, I see people. They look like trees walking around. Jesus had asked him, "If he, do you see anything? He said, I see people. They look like trees walking around. See, this is a reminder for us. This man's already followed Jesus, hasn't he? At least in a literal sense, he's been taken by the hand, led out of the village, and he's with Jesus. But there's a reminder here that there is more to the Christian life than just conversion, isn't there? Because, see, here Jesus has to interrupt his perspective. It's fair to say that this man has blurry vision right now. I mean, as you look at it, there's, there's more to life. This man needs further healing, doesn't he? Something is incomplete about it. And as I begin to think about the Christian life... I'm just reminded of the, the sheer number of times I've looked at my own life. And I can see fellow Christians that, you know, we've, we've said yes to following Jesus. You know, and we, we've, we're assured of eternity in heaven one day. And yet there's growth to be had, isn't there? I've shared with you many times about my grandma. Sixty some hours before she passed, she asked Jesus Christ to be her Lord and Savior at 92 years old. And I I am overjoyed at that, but I also, I, I grieve for her a little bit because I think this life, there could have been a very different experience of this life. And I know God can redeem it, but I believe that's why you're here. That when Jesus talked about abundant life, he wasn't talking about one day in the future when we're all in heaven. Yes, of course that, but abundant life now. The verb there in the Greek, it's in present tense. It's today, abundant life. And we may need an interruption of our perspective, don't we? Specifically, this man. You see it, right? He's looking at other people, and he doesn't see them as people. They look like trees walking around. He just watched Lord of the Rings, and he saw Treebeard and all the ants, you know, walking through. That's a spoiler if you've not watched it. And if that's a spoiler, you deserve to have it spoiled, okay? Because... It's been too many years since that movie's come out, right? But he, he just sees trees walking around. How often do we look at other people? We just don't see them clearly. You know, we see them through the lens of misunderstandings. We see them through the lens of what we think their needs are. We see them through the lens of some human arbitrary measure of value. We don't see clearly. For others in here, it may be perspective on yourself, I mean, isn't the battle often that we over or underestimate ourselves constantly? Instead of seeing ourselves as the Imago day, as created in God's image. And then there was even in the case of these disciples, it wasn't just people, it wasn't just themselves, but how they saw Jesus. It was blurry. In fact, we'll be there next week as we get into the next passage. When the disciples looked at Jesus, they saw him through the lens that many of us see him through what we want him to do for us, right? I mean, isn't that the case? And so God has to interrupt our perspectives as we move through another interruption. Once more, Jesus put his hands on the man's eyes. Then his eyes were opened, his sight was restored, and he saw everything clearly. See, did you notice what happened here? It was like there was a gradual healing here. There was a progression to this miracle. And what is Jesus doing? He's interrupting our measures. He's interrupting our measures, our timing. When we think about how he works, how much he does and how quickly he does it. You notice the order here? He takes him out of the village. He's given spiritual insight and then he's given his physical sight. See, there's an order there. There's a priority there. Do you notice the pace of it? It's gradual. It's gradual. In in other words, there was a period of time. We don't know how long. We don't know if this just took place right there in that moment. But Jesus allowed for the man's eyes to be blurry for a little bit. See, isn't it often that we look at God and we think, gosh, you're you're so slow, or you're not paying attention, or it's so gradual, or you're so ineffective? You know, he seems so inefficient in his ways. And that's not, a, that's not a God's ability thing. You know what it is? I believe the grace we see here is that Jesus is healing this man according to this man's faith. And the great grace that God has on us is that yes, he could do it like that, but instead he's going to accommodate his pace according to our faith. Wow. Wow, the God who says, I could just do it. I could just do it. Instead, he walks next to us and he says, I'm going to walk with you. I'm not going to force you through that door. I'm going to walk with you. I'm going to be present with you. And you can be assured of that. Finally, the man can see clearly. <clears throat> he's gone from, you know, um, he, he's gone from closed eyes to open eyes to blurry eyes to now Jesus eyes. But it's gradual. And then Jesus says this to him in verse 26. Jesus sent him home saying, don't even go into the village. Now, why would he say that? I mean, Jesus, we thought you came and you want your word spread all over the world, and he does. But you know what Jesus knew about this man? He couldn't go back into that setting of disbelief. He couldn't go back to all the unbelief. He couldn't go back to all those influences. And so Jesus even interrupted His direction, didn't he? Sometimes he's got to interrupt our direction. And so that's what I'd lay before you as we walk out of here this morning. Can he interrupt? I I, I mean, think about your direction for a minute. He says to him, Go home. So Bethsaida wasn't even the man's home. Go home. Don't even go into the village. Have you seen that before? Bethsaida wasn't his home. The place of unbelief isn't your home. And it's not my home. It's not our home. It isn't. And so an interrupted direction. Where's home? Where's home? I'd ask you personally. Who, who are the people that we journey with? What's the mission that we go about? You know, we talk about connect with Jesus, connect with people, connect people with Jesus. You want to know what that is? It's really his mission. It's the Great Commission. Go into all the world and make disciples. And so here are the disciples as they watch him heal, getting a lesson about their own spiritual eyesight. And Jesus, it's as if he's saying, if you'll let me interrupt what you think about this, if you'll let me interrupt, if you let me interrupt, if you'll let me interrupt, I can send you in a new direction. An interrupted, an interrupted life is not something to be resisted at all times. In fact, if God gets to interrupt, you know what happens? We get to understand. And so as you think through these various interruptions, I know as I pondered on them this week and I was getting real-time object lessons all week long with all the things that were coming up, a prayer emerged. And it was this, and I'd invite you to write it down. We'll have it on the screen. Jesus, interrupt my views so that I could see with your eyes. Jesus, interrupt my views so I may see with your eyes. And if if there was anything that happened this week that sums it up, it was probably the uh, moment of, of giggling I got. I was driving south on Sims the other day. And worship team, I'll invite you up while I'm sharing this. I'm driving south on Sims, by Chatfield High School, and it's about lunchtime, and I see like four boys, okay? And I just noticed they've got a cereal box in their hands, but it was what I saw that was just so incredible. And I don't mean that in a good way. But it was so incredible. Okay, so one kid's got the box open, and he's holding it. Another kid has a half gallon of milk, and they're walking while doing this. He's pouring it into the box, The two other boys have spoons, and they're digging in. And I just thought, oh, freshmen. (laughs) And then I thought, that's not fair to half the freshmen out there. Boys, boys, right? Those are probably senior boys, actually. No, but I'm watching this, and I'm just thinking, huh. I wonder if they're open to an interruption. I didn't do it, but as I looked at them, I thought, that's me right there that's me. And I know if somebody were to see me going about life that way, an interruption wouldn't be so bad, would it? Truth is, that's all of us. An interruption, if we'll let God do it, can give us understanding. And so Jesus, interrupt our views so that we can walk out of here and see with your eyes. Let me pray for you. Heavenly Father, Lord, your word, I mean, it was five verses, and there is just so much there. There is so much you have in your word for us. And so, Lord, I pray, I pray, as a congregation that has a heart to carry out your mission, to go and make disciples, whether that's local, whether that's, you know, in in the region, or whether that's across the world, Lord, you know our hearts for that. And so if, like the disciples, we have moments and we have areas of spiritual blindness, interrupt us. Lord, give us your heart, give us your eyes to see, and then give us your strength and hands to go to the people in front of us. So as we watch, as the disciples are cultivated and formed by you, Lord, write those, write those uh, ideas, write your word, write everything, your heart, on our hearts. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen.